the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, College Cross fans? You are watching the Lax Factor Podcast, and today we're going to do a new series. We're going to start the new series called Next Man Up. In this case, we're going to talk about the Maryland Terps and their 2023 scouting report is, in essence, what this is going to be here. So what we'll do is we'll cover it through the, the lens of the stupid wedding concept, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. I won't say that every time. We're just It's just how I'm going to write everything up. The new will be, or the old will be returning guys. New will be the new incoming freshman. Uh, borrowed will be transfers. Blue will be guys coming off either a medical red shirt injury or just off of a red shirt in general uh, because they were blue because they were sad that they didn't get to play their freshman year. And that happens a lot with teams like Maryland and a lot of the Blue Bloods. But we, those are going to be the hardest parts to re- report on is the guys coming off red shirt and off injuries. But I'll do my best. The idea here being you come to our website, laxfactor.com. Every team's going to have their own section within the website that will you know link off to all of the podcasts and individual videos that we do about said team, any of the just the write-ups that we do and, and articles that get posted as well. And then we'll go from there. So let, let's dive into it here now. I want to talk about Maryland first. Uh, the Maryland lacrosse squad, they have been rinsing and repeating here forever at this point here. The, the, the last decade and more, they've been a fixture uh, in the Final Four. They've had All-Americans you know, for days. So kind of as I rip through here, the main thing that worries me about this upcoming Maryland squad, and I, and I wasn't too worried. I, I know a lot of people were like, well, what are they going to do without Jared Bernhout and Bernhardt, and how are they going to adjust? But the, the, the pieces were in place for them to have a really good offense. Now, I think they greatly overachieved in 2022, considering they didn't have a Jared Bernhardt, but every single player on that roster shot the ball bet what much better than average overall. I mean, we're talking most of these starters had had shooting, uh, and you're going to see it as I talk about it. Most of these guys have shooting percentages that are just off the charts solid, and we're talking about like their top six scorers all have excellent shooting percentages. So, I mean, all these guys overachieved and gelled and played wonderful. The difference going into the 2023 season is who's going to be wearing number one. So anyone who's not a big Maryland follower or not a big lacrosse follower in general, Maryland gives their their number one offensive option the number one every single year. So every single year, it's kind of just been known, hey, the, this guy is going to be the next man up and is going to be the next guy to wear number one. And I think this season is one of the first seasons in a long time where I don't think there's as clear of a decision on who's going to end up wearing that number one. Maryland doesn't do it like Syracuse. It's not going to a freshman like the number 22 is going to Spelina in this upcoming season. The number one goes to a stalwart on the offensive side that they know is going to have a big season. So after Chanachuk, it was Rambo. After Rambo, we had Connor Kelly. After Kelly, it was Jared Bernhardt. After Bernhardt, it was very obvious that it was going to be Logan Wisnowskis for anyone that even remotely follows Maryland or has Maryland on their radar. So every year, no matter what they lost offensively, they were always going to, you know, and, and what they were going to have to face and figuring out how to gel and everything like that. They've always had an obvious choice to wear ye old number one and this season they don't it's it's not obvious now uh, I haven't mentioned the defensive side of the ball yet because uh, once again the Terps they have a wealth of talent that's returning on the defensive side of the field so I think they're going to be okay overall but like this little snippet here that I wrote you know this season it's not exactly clear who's going to be wearing ye old number one for this first time in a long while the Terps are losing their top four leading scorers all put up 53 points or more, and Wisnowskis had a whopping 103 points. So they're going to lose 
all of those guys, and they and and so we're dealing with somebody that was out outside the top four scores that's going to end up inheriting this number one. So it'll be interesting to see who it'll be. Uh, could it be? We're going to dive in here to the something old, the returning players. That's what we're going to talk about first here. And the guy I want to talk about first, and I want to talk about him first because to me, he was just about this team's MVP. I think a great deal of the success they had offensively was because game in and game out, Weirman won the faceoff battle. They win the possession battle because of that. And, slow, and right off the bat, this team was efficient on offense. But the way they finished, I don't know that we've ever seen an offense that was firing on all cylinders that was as deep as this offense was. And I think Weirman played a lot more into that, even though he didn't play offense very much uh, outside of uh, fast breaks off faceoffs. I think he played into that heavily in winning that possession battle, not turning the ball over. He was one of the best faceoff men in the country in terms of winning the draw and then turning that draw into a possession. I don't have an exact stat on that, but I did make sure to kind of look and confirm that of all the, the top guys, turnover-wise, he had a low number of turnovers. So, like I said, I think he was the MVP in my opinion. Now, if we look at how he did against some of the, the best faceoff guys in the country, and I'm not going to deep dive, but I'll throw out a couple that I had wrote about. Uh, Fop versus Syracuse, 13 of 27. Sandoval uh, versus Princeton, 19 of 27. LaSala versus Virginia. He was Now, remember, LaSala roached him uh, the previous season, and uh, and this season here, it was kind of his revenge tour, and he beats LaSala up 24 of 36 during the regular season meeting, and then in the NCAA tournament, 20 of 29 against Petey LaSala, Petey fucking LaSala, who is one of the best face-off men in the country. He roached him twice. And then another one, Tommy Burke for Vermont, 16 of 29 in the NCAA tournament against Tommy Burke. That I One of my keys for Vermont in that was obviously that Tommy Burke had to be able to play well against Weirman had a bad day Burke did Burke is still the man I still love the kid love his game uh but 16 and 19 in the NCAA tournament's not going to get it done and Weirman is an absolute beast because of that so what we learned is that uh Luke Weirman here is also now one of the best in the game and in my opinion he was the best face-off guy in the country last year if we look at his stats last year he had a 6-6-1 win percentage at the dot 298 of 451 160 ground balls, nine goals, eight assists off 22 shots, 13 turnovers, eight cause turnovers, first team All-American and second team All-American in Inside Lacrosse and USA um, LM uh, uh, Lacrosse Magazine, uh, respectively, and then uh, the Big Ten Specialist of the Year. So this dude's a monster. This dude's coming back. And he's going to be key for Maryland for damn sure. Next guy I want to talk about, we'll get into the defense here a little bit, is uh, Brett Maycar, fifth-year senior, graduate. Or, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a, if he's considered a fifth-year senior or a graduate student. I have no idea how he's worked it out here. But with Maycar, very solid defender. You can ask him to do a lot of things, and he's going to do all of them uh, with a fairly high proficiency. Overall, low base. He's got good feet. He can match up with the quick guys, 6'1", 205. So his frame and his feet and his low base allow him to kind of match up with quick guys, stronger guys. You can pretty much put him on whoever you have to. A great utility for them to have here on this Maryland defense. And last year, they were loaded on defense. So they're still going to be pretty loaded. loader, More loaded than most teams by far still, and Maycar is going to be expected to step up here. Uh, teams, I think that the big downside for him is we're going to go through his stats in a second, and I think the big downside with Maycar is going to be he's going to get – you couldn't avoid guys 
all that much last year. Teams would avoid him where they could, but Maryland's defense was stacked, so you end up having to kind of pick your battles. I think Maycar will largely be avoided next year, and I think it'll be a little bit easier potentially to avoid him. We may have a, you know, I don't know who's going to eat that third spot on on close D, or maybe we will. I, I forget uh, what I have in here, but either way, he's going to be dodged. Not, or he he's going to be dodged in the sense that teams aren't going to want to dodge on him, uh, and then I think that'll. In 2023, once again, like you can make the argument, well, with what they lost, maybe uh, they'll be able to avoid him completely. But with the the kind of emergence of Ajax Zapatello, who we'll talk about here in a second, I don't think that they're going to be able to fully avoid Maycar, especially because maybe Zapatello in terms of takeaway is a little bit more scary. But Zapatello was the guy that got dodged on the most. So that'll be tough to tell. I'm rambling here, so I'll get back on, on point. Uh, statistically, 16. Oh, yeah, wait. So... I don't even have his regular stats in here. You can see in this article, I already screwed this up. So I do not have his, I'll fix that on the post if you end up coming to see this post, but I didn't have his stats here. But what I did have for him was uh, predicted stats. So what I predict he's going to do next year, 16 to 18 cause turnovers, 34 plus ground balls, two to four points. I didn't do predicted stats up here for um, Weirman. But what I think we'll see with Weirman is I think you're going to see that faceoff percentage go down a little bit for Weirman. I think he'll probably drop into the area of 62, 63%. The reason being is you see a lot of guys break out and have monster years. And Sisselberger had was you know had a better year prior you know early in earlier in his career than he did this year. You see, Petey Lasala had a monster year last year or the previous season, not as solid statistically this season even though he was a monster again so the idea being that when you see dudes have monster years it's hard to equal that because they're going to get keyed on focused on tons of tape to watch on them now especially where you're dealing with uh, inside the big 10 matchups or just a lot of the blue blood matchups that they play year in and year out so I think you're going to see his stats go down across the board just a little bit but I don't think the effect that he's going to have on the game will go down that much and uh, yeah so for Maycar like I said I think his stats are only going to end up being capped by the fact that teams are going to be able to avoid him a little bit but I do think that his impact on the game is going to increase as well because if if teams, you know, whoever he's matching up with, if they're not testing him, they're being taken out of the game to some extent. So I think that even though his he won't necessarily have a better season statistically, not by leaps and bounds, he's going to impact the game even more than he did last year. Uh, I rambled really poorly through that, so let's uh, try to keep this on the rails here now. Logan McNaney, senior goalie. Now, McNaney... I, Corning kid, section four kid. So I automatically love the kid. Patient, calm between the pipes, very good hands overall. Doesn't have a huge step in terms of attack. I don't think he attacks the ball all that much, but he's got quick feet. His side to side is good. And and when I say he's patient, I mean he's not as reactionary as some goalies are. And it seems to me, especially this season, uh, uh, beyond all, that he was doing a better job of being patient, sitting back, and instead of just reacting quickly, he's kind of taken that extra second to see the ball and get to where the ball's going. He, and, and that's where the quick hands and the quick step comes into play, even if he doesn't have a large footprint in terms of the, the size of that step. Instincts off the charts, uh, excellent as well. He has been above 520 in terms of save percentage in each of the last two seasons. And in 2022, stopped shots, uh, the shots he faced at a 597 clip, 59.7% between the pipes. Uh, and that goes beyond what you would normally ask of a goalie. And the kicker here, too, is he dealt he dealt with a lot of blowouts. So it's a, it's a lot of times you see goalies on 
teams that are as good as Maryland was this last year, you see their numbers go a little bit low. So for his numbers to be as high as they were, that's I like his focus. Even where this isn't a close game, the kid just never falls off, doesn't let cheap shots in ever. He's always on top of it. Um, over the course of the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament, the dude was absolutely bonkers. He was above 60% in every tournament game he played in 2022. 60% versus Hopkins and Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. 78% versus Vermont. 63% versus UVA. 73% versus Princeton. And 70% versus Cornell uh, over the four uh NCAA tournament wins that the Terps had this year and route to winning the national championship. Had he not uh, had a couple of down games in the regular season, I think he would have probably ended up being a first team all American, but he had a couple of down games early on before he just went on a tear towards the end of the season. And I mean, this has to be one of the best statistical post seasons that a goalie has ever had. Dude was bonkers stats for 2022, five, nine, seven save percentage, 8.44 goals against uh, per game. And then uh, 18 and 0 record, not too bad. Uh, also won a national championship. And I believe he was the MVP also of the national championship game. Uh, I expect from uh, McNaney to, I think his impact's going to be really high. I think you're going to see a dip in his stats. Once again, you have a monster season like that. That's just an off-the-chart season that is hard to replicate. So am I going to say that his save percentage is going to go down? No. It actually could go up because I think that he'll have to be on point and a little bit more focused just because I think game, you know, maybe scores in 2023 will dictate that he will have to be on point all the time. But like I said, he played pretty damn on point even in the games that didn't necessarily matter throughout the season. But I still think you're going to see a slight dip in terms of his efficiency, maybe because I think the defensive midfielder uh, might not, the defensive mids might not be quite as good, although we'll talk about a transfer that's coming in that I think will bolster that group. Defense might not be quite as deep, and that may play a little bit uh, early into the season. So we'll see, but I think you'll see a slight dip. Like I said here, he was 597 last year. I think he's still going to be a 57% guy. I think they'll give up about another goal per game in the area of nine and a half, nine point three 9.3 is what I put here. And I think he's still going to pick up 16 wins, make the final four and uh, have a run at a national title. So I think that McNaney is going to be huge. Next guy, I want to talk about John Gepper, fifth-year senior slash graduate, whatever he ends up being, LSM. So once again, we're, we're seeing the depth returning, quality depth returning at that for Maryland, and Gepper is no, no exception here. Uh, very solid LSM, scrappy when the ball's on the turf, solid in the wings, helped Weirman quite a bit. Anytime a faceoff guy has the kind of season that Weirman had, you kind of have to assume that they had really good wing play. And in this case here for Maryland, they, they absolutely did. Paglazi on wings, Fairman on wings at times, and uh, Gepper on wings, just a, a monster overall. Not going to take the ball away a ton, and I'm not sure. I watched almost every Maryland game all year. I just didn't notice teams trying to – I'm not sure if it's because they're avoiding him or he's just trying to play position D. Admittedly for me, I'm an offensive-minded guy, so when I'm watching these games, I have to really pay attention to focusing on specific things that I want to cover. And then when you mix in beer drinking at times, I end up just forgetting, you know, and just enjoying the game and forgetting that I'm supposed to be taking notes and crap like that. So that's how that works. But he's more importantly for him though. He's a danger in the open field. He has eight goals, five assists on his career. Uh, and he put up five goals with a dish on uh, in 2022, a uh, 14 shot. So a danger in the open field, and he'll continue with that. Stats overall in 2022, 13 caused turnovers, 52 ground balls, eight goals, five helpers, uh, 14 shots. All Ameri- uh, Honorable mention, All-American honors. What I think you're going to see for him in 2023 is a slight increase in his overall stats across the board. 
Uh, I don't think you're going to see a, a much larger increase in cause turnovers is what I say here, uh, because I think teams will try to avoid him once again, wherever possible. And especially with, I think, a slightly less quality D mids, he may be avoided. They may be able be able to effectively avoid him a little bit more. Uh, but I think overall, because Maryland's offense isn't going to be efficient, I think he's going to get a lot more looks overall. Like they'll have a lot more defensive possessions next year than they had this year. So I think that's why he'll end up with 15 to 18 or so cost turnovers next year, 65 plus ground balls, six to eight points, easy. So Gepper is going to factor heavily in what Maryland does in 2023. Next guy I want to talk about, and this guy was exciting. Um, a breakout player here, Ajax Zapatello, junior defender. Kid faced a lot of dodges in 2022, and he did a good job across the board. Often the guy that teams tested because they're so deep defensively. They, I mean, really, when you look at it, they have one of their best offensive talents, an athletic dude in Bubba Fairman playing down at D mid uh, with Paglazi, with, you know, the, so, I mean, there was really no, no one good to dodge on this defense. Zapatello being the young guy, he ended up getting a lot of those, but forced turnovers. 27 forced turnovers, which is absolutely incredible for a kid who hadn't started a game, at least not to my knowledge, until this season. He did play in 15 games over the course of 2021, but he started all 18 games in 2022 and is kind of one of the breakout defenders here in the country. Um, if we look at what's going to happen here in this upcoming season, it's not a big guy, 5'11", 170, powerful base, good feet, quick hands again. We'll need to have another huge year, though, in 2023 for Maryland to not lose a bit of a step here overall defensively. As long as he can hold up and have a season like he had this year, maybe even a little bit better because with age comes experience, maybe Maryland's defense, you could almost make the argument, is as good this year as they were last year. It'll depend on how that defensive midfield unit mostly holds up, I believe. I think he's going to do fine, though. I, I expect for him to take that next step and to be solid. Like I said, I don't think he's going to have a huge increase in terms of his cause turnovers because instead of him being the guy that they're trying to dodge on, he's going to be one of the guys, I believe, that teams avoid. So I'm thinking in the area of probably the same number of turnovers as last year, partly because they're going to once again have increased looks on defense, I think. 27 cause turnovers, 26 ground balls. This is this year. I'm an idiot. This year, he had 27 cost turnovers, 26 ground balls, a goal and three helpers off five shots. He was a third-team All-American. I think in 2023, 25 to 28 cost turnovers, like I said, somewhere in the same area as this year, 35-plus ground balls. I think he'll get a few more, be able to pick up a few more of those, and then four to six points. Part With the ground ball thing, I think partly if you're the guy that's getting dodged on, even if you take the ball away, you're not necessarily the guy picking the ball up. I think in this case, he'll probably pick up some more ground balls just being the guy that's kind of the first help maybe or maybe the second slide or something like that as his guys to a degree trying to avoid him. Uh, four to six points. So uh, he need, but important, he needs to take another step forward and he needs to become, uh, you know, a, 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 the first or second best pull on this team overall. Uh, we'll get into the offense now. Talk about some returning offensive players. Kyle Long, fifth-year senior, graduate midfielder. I'm not sure which he'll be again. Like I said, I'm I'm not tied that closely to the program that I know if he's just coming to school for a fifth year or if he's going to be a graduate student. Uh, overall, incredible midfielder that you can kind of rely on to generate offense both for himself and for other people. I actually thought he was going to factor heavily in this season, partly just because of that dodging ability. They were obviously going to need people to pick up the slack when you lose Jared Bernhardt, one of the most prolific dodgers the sport has ever seen. 
So I like him. He's proficient. He can work the alley, the wings. He, he, he does well from dodging up top. And because this offense is kind of positionless, he'll, he'll end up with the ball out back. He's, he can pretty much attack the defense from anywhere on the field. I think this, uh, and then more importantly, he keeps his head up. The dude, you know, in terms of his numbers here, uh, 17 goals, 25 assists in 2022, 42 points overall. So, I mean, he's, he's creating the offense, but he's keeping his head up, finding open men, finding his teammates. So that's going to be huge. He's going to draw a lot of polls in 2023. I think he drew a fair number of polls probably in 2022 as well. From a statistical standpoint, I don't think I think it'll be tough to increase his stats a ton, even with increased looks because the efficiency of the offense this year was a huge thing. He was one of the one of the worst shooters on the team overall offensively, but I think and that that's one of the stats I don't like. He put 65% of his shots on cage but only put 28.3 of them past the goalie. So I don't like that stat. And you figure this upcoming season, he's going to get a lot more attention. That attack was loaded last year. The first and second midfield lines were completely loaded. So I feel like he's going to draw more attention, but I think he's also going to get more looks. I expect that shooting percentage, if he can't improve that, it could potentially go down. Guys, when they, they, they face increased pressure and increased attention, you tend to see that shooting percentage dip a little bit. Sometimes you see it dip between their freshman year all the way down to their senior year because as players get better and teams end up game planning a little bit more for them, they get a few less wide open shots, time and room shots, and they end up kind of getting a lot more contested shots because they're drawing all sorts of eyeballs all over the field. So overall, 17 goals, 25 helpers, 28.3% shooting, not very good. 15 GBs, 13 turnovers, honorable mention All-American. My prediction for him, like I said, is that his 2023 stats will not go up. I think he's still going to put up 45-plus points, though. I think he'll probably end up in the area of 25 to 27% in terms of shooting. If he can improve that to 30, then he could end up putting up 50 points, maybe 50-plus if he can just etch that up, you know, edge that up to 30 a little bit. 20-plus ground balls, 17-plus turnovers. You know, So keep the turnovers down below 15 on the season, which is going to be hard for him to do because he'll be carrying the ball once again. And you could see that point production go up a little bit. But Long 100% is going to factor. Could Long be one of the guys that maybe inherits the number one? I don't think so. It typically almost always goes to an attackman. Maybe Long moves to attack. That wouldn't be unheard of. And I think he would play well there. But I, don't, I just don't know that they need him there. So we'll see. Uh, next guy I want to talk about, Daniel Maltz. Now, all season long, we heard about how Bubba Fairman you know, kind of took one for the team by moving to short stick D mid after being, you know, having a huge offensive uh, season the season before, you know, and I, I think more people should have been talking about what Maltz did for this team because you figure Maltz put up 40 goals and 10 helpers while finishing the rock at a 52.6% clip in 2021. He was there. I think their second or th- he was the third leading scorer, I believe, uh, in that 2021 season. That's 50 points as a sophomore starting all 16 games along Bernhardt and Wisnowskis. In 2022, he was asked to come off the bench and play a supporting role. He played in 17 of the Terps' 18 games, didn't start in any of them, but still put up 10 goals and seven helpers. Now, for me, Maltz is kind of one of the most important returning players on this roster overall, especially for this upcoming season. Losing Wisnowskis is a brutal blow overall for this team. Maltz is going to more than likely be asked to kind of step back into that off-ball attackman role that he played in 2021. And I believe the le- the reason overall he probably lost that starting spot to Malover was due to the loss of Bernhardt. In 2021, Bernhardt, one of the best Dodgers on planet Earth, bar none. That is fact. 
So it only made sense to surround him with two of the best off-ball guys. Maryland needed to make up for the loss of Bernhardt's dodging ability, so Kahn moves into that spot. And then Malaver made more sense on a line with Wisnowskis because he was, they were, you know, both Kahn and, uh, and Malaver were, were better dodging threats, I think, overall, maybe than Maltz would be. But who knows? I don't, I don't freaking know the, the inside and out here, but I know that he's going to play a huge role here in 2023. Uh, this season, 10 goals, 7 helpers, 17 points. This is a season after putting up 50 points for him as a starter. 41.7% shooting, 66.7% on cage. Just a, a very good shooter. Four ground balls, 11 turnovers. What I think you're going to see out of him in 2023, I think he's going to be, have a huge uptick in points. I think he's jumping back to 45-plus points. I think he'll be in the area of 42% shooting. Once again, 64% on cage. I think that you'll probably see his shooting percentage maybe even go up because, like I said, he's a, a spot shooter, time and room shooter, finisher, guy in the crease. So his, you know, it shouldn't affect. They're, Maryland's going to be able to get him open, and he's going to be able to finish, I think, still at a very high clip. And then 13-plus ground balls, 15-plus turnovers. Who cares? So I think Maltz is a huge key for this team. Eric Maliver, no picture for Maliver. I thought that was lame. I couldn't get one off their site. Stats here in this 2022 season, 26 goals, 22 helpers, 48 points, 40% shooting, 66.7% on cage, four ground balls, 11 turnovers. Dude, fill, you know, it's like find a need, fill a need. This dude, fill, you know, there was a hole open on that Maryland offense on that attack unit. They needed a guy that could kind of create and finish and Maliver ended up being that guy. I think he's going to be expected to shoulder a much heavier load here offensively in 2023. And I think he'll do well. I mean, the kid's a huge recruit. You know, and I think with added attention, it's going to you know bring kind of a tougher time getting off quality shots for him. And this is where you might see a slight dip in their their shooting percentage. But his was already really high. What's his dip to? Maybe thirty six percent, thirty eight percent. You know, as long as he keeps that that on cage percentage up, I think where you see it mostly is you'll see that on cage percentage go down. But I still think he he plays well enough off ball. He's going to be able to keep that shooting percentage up. Uh, but he he's going to have to be huge for this team. And he's the all these attackmen that are going to end up playing next year are going to have huge shoes to fill. And I think it's going to be one of the biggest question marks in terms of team quality on offense that you're going to see. The quality's there. It's just who's going to be the guy that's going to become the next next pimp. So don't take this any of this is me trying to say Maryland's going to fall off offensively. I think when you lose as many points at the top, it's always fair to say they could fall off a little bit offensively. But as, as so long as one of these guys you know, kind of puts on the big boy pants and, and becomes the alpha, they're going to be fine. Uh, so Owen Murphy, also big. Hop, hop transfer. He played huge, a huge role as a shooter in 2022. Uh, the kid scored 34 goals off 84 shots. That's a 40.5 shooting percentage. Scored four man-up goals, and I think he's going to shine for the Terps in 2023 in that capacity again. But I'm not 100% sure where we'll see him run. Probably more midfield, maybe some attack runs as well. I don't know what they're going to do down there. 34 and five overall on the season, 39 points, uh, four man up goals, three game winning goals, nine ground balls, 18 turnovers. I think what you'll see out of him in 2023 is maybe, I, you know, I don't know, 39 points last year. Does he put up 45, 48 points here in 2023 with just added looks because they're losing all of their offense ahead of these guys? Uh, maybe 39% shooting, probably see a little bit of a dip in the shooting percentage just because he's going to be one of the guys they always have to key on, and they keyed on him a little bit. You know, he was one of those dudes that every time he got the ball, you probably heard someone yelling, shooter. Uh, so 
yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'll factor heavily as well. Now we start getting into the the something borrowed. Let's talk about one of the transfers. There's only a couple of transfers they didn't they haven't so far. Let's say done as well as they did last year. But still, if you treat this, if you kind of look at this similar to how you would look at the NFL in terms of free agency, it, it's it's something like that. You know, something borrowed. Donovan Lacey, they are stealing from Sacred Heart senior graduate midfielder, I believe. He got time as a freshman for Sacred Heart and has made a solid impact each year since. Good frame, 6'3", 205, fast, strong, gets up and down the field, as well as any defensive midfielder that you're going to see. I think he's going to be huge for the Terps because they're going to be trying to deal with losing both Fairman and Pugliese at short stick D midfielder. He Is he as, as quality in terms of uh, short stick D mid as Pugliese? Maybe not. Bubba Fairman, is he going to be as offensively uh, proficient as Bubba Fairman? No, but maybe a better defender than Bubba Fairman. So either way, it's a huge pickup because they have a huge hole in that area of their defense, so it makes sense to try to bring in a kid like this. And he potentially has two years of eligibility. When I looked, it looked like he's only played three years so far, including the COVID year, so it's potential. Uh, there's the potential there that he has two years of eligibility left. First team All-NEC in 2021, appeared in all 13 games with 11 starts, three goals, three assists off 21 shots, 14 caused turnovers. He actually led Sacred Heart in caused turnovers, 42 GBs, second on the team, and then a career overall, nine goals, five helpers, 82 GBs, and 33 caused turnovers. So that is a quality get, and you might even call that one the biggest get that they got because that's one of the biggest holes that they had to fill here for this team. Another good one. And uh, like I said, Maryland's done a really good job here in the transfer portal is uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, uh, Donald Mullane, uh, something like that. Graduate attack from uh, uh, Bowden. Now, like I said, we may not know who's wearing number ter- uh, number one for the Terps, but one thing I do know is that Mullane is going to fit in nicely. Never hurts when you add an attackman that nailed down conference player of the year and put up 105 points, even if he did it at the D3 level. Um, the I, I picture him, just looking at his stat line overall, I picture him playing kind of a Keegan Kahn role in 2023, statistically very similar. Kahn was a 1.25 to one goal to assist. That doesn't make sense how I said that. In terms of goals to assist, Khan is a 1.25 goals to one assist kind of guy. And for scouts, coaches, anybody who kind of just looks at a box score and, and tries to figure out what that what the stats mean for the way a certain player plays, you see a stat line like that, you're thinking triple threat. The dude can score goals off the dodge, he can feed teammates off the dodge, and then he can score goals off ball and in the open field overall. So he finished the 2022 season for Bowden right in that area, 1.25 goals to every helper that he put up, and every team wants one of those guys on their attack. So is he maybe the guy that steps in, plays that third attack spot, or does he end up playing midfield and they they bring maybe one of the, the other guys that got time last year that's more familiar with the system? Don't know. But he put up those numbers, though, while playing for number nine Bowden. He faced seven top 20 teams, went for 17 points in two games against Tufts, both losses, 12 points in two games against Amherst, missed three games due to injury, and I think he missed the win over Colorado College in the first round of the NCAA tournament. He missed the big win over St. Lawrence in the second round of the NCAA tournament and then missed the loss to RIT. Could have potentially changed the way things went for them in the NCAA tournament overall. Uh, I say all of this, though, because you'll see, I think you're going to see this kid do big things at the D1 level. I'm not willing to predict an outright point total or anything like that for him because I don't even know what role he's going to play overall. But I think he could potentially be a, a 20, 30 plus point guy 
for this Maryland team, uh, depending on who else steps up and where things fall into place. Uh, let's go next to the the transfer goalkeeper. Now, this was a head-scratcher because I felt like there was a lot of teams that could have used a starting goalie, and I think Teddy Dolan, Binghamton goalkeeper, a very solid goalkeeper and could have probably ended up transferring to multiple other schools and probably would have started right off the bat for them. But, and I'm not sure how he ends up fitting in with McNaney. I mean, it, it definitely adds depth and a little bit of competition to the mix. I don't see McNaney losing his position to anyone, though, overall. But either way, a good pickup for the Terps once again. And, you know, even in a case where this dude wasn't likely to play for them to pick him up anyway, you know, especially considering he was a really solid goalkeeper uh, all of his time at Binghamton. It's impressive. Something new, incoming guys. Now, once again, it's really hard to know who's going to play. And I do, I do not expect the freshmen that are incoming to Maryland to, to impact the game very much at all. But let's talk about some of the guys here uh, that I think just makes sense to talk about. I'm only going to talk about the guys that I think are legitimately going to maybe get some time. Uh, one of them being number five. He's the number fifth overall guy, Will Schaefer. Uh, Geppert being the big cat LSM. That's going to limit Schaefer's chances for damn sure, but you always need some backup LSMs. And uh, being that he's such a highly touted LSM, and it's kind of a position where you can throw a guy to the wolves a little bit and not affect your your uh, the game all that much, depending on the, the matchups and the teams. I think that you'll probably end up seeing him weasel some time in 2023 in some way. Uh, another one, uh, number six, AJ Larkin. You may see something similar for him. I don't expect him to to start, but I mean, shit, he could. But uh. And he's the number six recruit in the country, five-star recruit. I think he'll find his way on the field to some extent overall. I just don't expect you're going to see a breakout, but who knows? I don't know anything, and that's it. Those are the only two guys, I think, overall that you're going to see probably get time um, for this Maryland team because they're going to load up with freshmen. They've got guys waiting in the wings to come out and play as well. And then overall, I have nothing so far for injury, red shirts, and crap like that. I'll add to this, and as we put future videos out, uh, and we add more to this page here for Maryland. We'll continue to beef that up. But that is it, folks. That is my scouting report for Maryland. What do I think overall for this team? Like I said, I think uh, I, I said it when I talked about um, McNaney that I think they'll probably get to 16 wins. And, you know, depending on how they do in the NCAA tournament is going to depend on whether or not they can get themselves to 15. You know, let's say they lose two games in the regular season. I think to, to win 16, you probably got to win the title. Um, so depending on their schedule and all that crap is what I mean. If they don't, uh, if they only end up playing 13, you know, regular season games and then have to win it all the way out, I don't think they're going to get to 16 wins. But I, I wouldn't be surprised for them to be like 16 and two by the end of the season or something like that leading into Memorial Day weekend or maybe including Memorial Day weekend. So let's see. One thing is for sure. They will be a top 10 team all year. I do not think you will see them slip out of the top 10, despite the massive losses, especially on offense. I think that they will most likely make it to the NCAA quarterfinals. And I think there's a very good chance they're back in the final four. Again, uh, a lot of it just depends on who will be. In fact, the next man up offensively for Maryland defensively, we know who the guys are going to be and we know they're going to be formidable defensively. Again, that helps their chances overall. We just need to figure out who is going to put on the big boy pants, who's going to wear number one, and who's going to become the alpha for this offense. So that's it, guys. That's my first podcast back in a while, and uh, I pro I'm not going to even commit to specific times or dates. Um, so go to laxfactor.com as often as you want, and we'll always put the most recent videos right at the top on the homepage, and you can kind of see what comes out. And uh, that's it. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to put out another one here. We will do Virginia next, and you're going to get to see 
what I think uh, their their roster, their squad's going to look like here in 2023, and then we'll just kind of keep ripping through. I'll probably pop Syracuse in one of these, even though they didn't finish in the top 20. You know me. I'm going to put a Syracuse uh, recap in, especially because we'll have to do a video about uh, how well all of the incoming freshmen for Syracuse did in the All-American game here uh, over the weekend. So we'll talk about that. Maybe that'll be the next video. We'll see. But anyway, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Be sure to go to laxfactor.com where we put all of our content up. It goes beyond just the videos that you're seeing here on YouTube. We're going to have articles that we're going to put up. This next man up, Maryland uh, Post, has been up already for like a week or so before I did this podcast. So if you kind of every podcast and every video I do from here on out is going to have an accompanying uh, uh, article written up for that that podcast and video. So always be sure to go to laxfactor.com because you get a little bit more content out of that. So that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Hoost is out. Thank <laughs> you.